0: This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to re-watching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Chad Hopkins, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Katie White. How are you holding up up there in the middle of nor'easter Toby? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I feel like all we talk about is uh, weather at the beginning of this, but this is honestly the worst. Uh, it's really <laughs> very snowy, but it is very pretty. Um... I got to go out and take some photos today and got soaking wet in the snow, but it was fun. Um, Making the best of it.
0: Just too perfect that it's named Toby. Right. Uh, I I thought that was so so funny. It's like
1: (laughs) so annoying and uh, unwanted and exactly like Toby to Michael. (laughs) Absolutely perfect.
0: Well, we did want to shout out to just a few people who we heard from recently on Facebook, whether that was messages or ratings, which we appreciate as well. Uh, So, thanks to Chris and Jim Hatley and Liv Harker, as well as Kevin Isaacs. So, Thank you all for reaching out. We love audience participation. We always want to hear more from you. So it doesn't have to be a review, though we love reviews on iTunes and Facebook as well. But we just want to hear from you guys, whether it's an email. Um, of course, we, we should shout out Leslie Martin, always emailing us after each episode to give us his thoughts. So thank you all. Uh, we hope to hear from more of you in the future. And uh, again, this is an audience participation show. It's not just about us. It's about all of us liking a show together.
1: Chad and I are on social media quite a bit, um, maybe to a fault, and
0: uh, are uh,
1: always quick to respond, I think, I hope. So um, yeah, if you have anything to say at all, just reach out. Heading on into our uh, one episode today, Uh, don't get too discouraged. One is plenty, I think, today, because it's dinner party. (laughs) Um, As anyone who has seen the show before knows that this is a huge episode, So, Dinner Party, aired on April 10th, 2008, was directed by Paul Feig and written by Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stipnitsky.
0: Michael and the rest of the Scranton branch are staying late on a Friday because of an overtime assignment from corporate. Or are they? (laughs) Michael calls them and says it's not fair to his employees, who are his friends, and he says they're going to go home. And because they were told to not have plans at night because of having to work late, but now they're no longer working late, Michael has finally caught Jim and Pam available on a Friday night, so the three of them, plus Andy and Angela, spend the night at Michael's condo with Jan for perhaps the most uncomfortable dinner party of all time.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's, uh, (laughs) that's it. Um but so much more to that. It's it's a big, huge Jan episode, um, and Michael, but we get a whole lot of Jan today, so let's dive in.
0: I can't help but sort of admire the evil genius of Michael coming up with this elaborate scheme to con Jim and Pam out of a Friday night at home. Uh, what, what is it? Jim says that Michael's asked, what, six, nine, something like that times. And they've been able to get out of it every time except for this. And this is something that Michael has been setting up apparently all week uh, because he told everybody don't make plans. If you have plans, cancel them. We have to stay working late for corporate. And then he just undoes it all with one supposed phone call. (laughs) And uh, it's automatically, okay. well, now you're free. So come on over. And they just can't come up with an excuse to get out of it now.
1: Yeah, it's so manipulative of him. But I kind of feel like Jim and Pam are wishing, you know, maybe if we had taken him up on this earlier, we wouldn't have caught this dinner party. Uh, and maybe are yeah. kind of um, kicking themselves because this is the worst. I mean, it's really bad. <laughs> um, it is. Of course, it was originally just going to be Jim, Pam, Michael, uh Jan and Andy and Angela. However, Dwight overhears, of course he hears that Angela will be there and really really has to go um to the party and shows up uninvited. Uh in fact, Michael specifically does not invite Dwight to his face. He says, "You know what? It's couples only. I only have six wine glasses. You're not with anybody, sorry. This is a couples thing."
0: I think Dwight definitely wants to go because Angela's going to be there, but also just because it's Michael and uh, he has these negative feelings towards Jim, as we've seen, and towards Andy for a long time, and especially now that he's with Angela. And so he was just jealous that those two guys specifically were invited over to hang out with Michael, when presumably Dwight would like to hang out with Michael all the time, but Michael doesn't oblige. And so this was his opportunity, and he was passed up in favor of uh, two people he... Considers or considered at some point to be his enemies.
1: And of course, he does show up with a much older woman who <laughs> um I believe says was his babysitter and kind of comes from that same Amish history Dwight's family has. She's kind of in that same disconnected world. She doesn't know what email is when Jim asks her. <laughs> um, we don't get a whole lot of stuff with her, but just so funny that Dwight shows up with this stranger who he really doesn't even seem to care for
0: no not at all she was purely his ticket to get in because the reasons michael gave were that they didn't have enough wine glasses and that dwight wasn't in a couple so he shows up with another person and he shows up with wine glasses so clearly that's okay he can show up now and that's okay
1: he fixed both problems yeah
0: So just talking as to the content of the dinner party itself, they show up, Pam and uh, and Jim first, and they are taken on a tour. And they find out all sorts of things about Jan and Michael's home life. Uh, Michael sleeps at the end of the bed rather than in the bed with Jan because she has space issues, apparently. And there's also a camera that's sitting at the end of the bed aimed at the bed. So one guess as to what that's for, (laughs) because back in Women's Appreciation in Season 3, Michael told the women at the mall that Jan recorded them having sex so that, number one, they could watch afterward in order to, quote, improve his form, and number two, so that she could show and discuss the video with her therapist. And so we know what the camera's for, and there's further evidence that it's still going on, despite the relationship ending in women's appreciation and then restarting once just got Jan got the, the breast enhancement surgery and now things are just back to the way they were apparently.
1: And even worse, maybe as we see in this episode, Um, unless this mm-hmm. is just a, how it was, you know, and uh, this is our, our first peek into their home life. But in my notes, I made a whole list of just house notes. Um, just the weird things that go on in their home. Uh, I want to just comment on that bench for a second in case you haven't seen the episode recently or have never seen it. It's a bench that Michael sleeps on <laughs> at the foot of the bed like a dog. I mean, it's really, really just abusive and sad. Like, at least if you're not going to sleep in the same bed with the person you live with, at least give him his own bed in another room or something. It's just so. Manipul not not manipulative, but it's uh very just.
0: It's abusive. Abusive,
1: yeah. Yeah, It's it's really awful.
0: And the worst part is they both try to justify it. Michael says, "Oh no, if I just curl up like this and I fit perfectly fine and I sleep okay," and uh, Jan says, "Yeah, he fits okay. Look, he he looks comfy." And uh, they both try and justify why this is okay, but they I mean they should both know it's not. And the reason Michael doesn't have his own separate bed is because Jan is occupying two of the other rooms in the condo. So of the three bedrooms, two of them are occupied by Jan, and I would assume her name's not on the uh, the the condo uh, agreement because Michael purchased it back in season two, and so she's living rent free, uh, no job, leeching off of Michael. And occupying two of his living spaces and forcing him to sleep on a bench. So there, there are all kinds of things going wrong. Um, she has taken over the decorating. She is, I mean, well, one of the rooms is filled with candles and they're very pungent because they are candles. And so that's another way she's sort of invading his space with unwanted uh, smells. It, there's just so many things going wrong
1: and not to mention the fact that you know two of them living in the house a three bedroom okay maybe you each get an office she has an office and a workspace and no job she does not no. need an office at this point michael does have a job and possibly could use a home office but jan um has an office that has never been touched as they say and has taken over this other bedroom as well and it's just such an invasion. I mean, she's just taking over his life in every aspect.
0: Regarding her candle business, she says she goes up there when she's frustrated or irritated or angry, which lends me to believe that those are feelings that she feels pretty often. And so she goes up there when she's feeling that way and it all goes away. She just smells her candles and it all goes away. So they are trying to compensate when they shouldn't be compensating. If they're that unhappy, if she's that frequently frustrated or irritated or angry, she should maybe find somewhere to live and maybe someone else to date, but who else is going to allow her to leech off of them the way Michael has?
1: No one. Yeah. They're trying to make this relationship work when it clearly just isn't working. Um,
0: hmm Especially after last episode, the deposition.
1: Right. It uh I mean we saw that brief scene on the way back from the deposition. Um, just that tense discussion between Jan and Michael about where to get dinner. And that was just sort of a preview into their home life, which we get to obviously dive into in this episode, but it's like they're just kind of playing house at this point. They're just faking a happy life. And uh Clearly, they're not happy either of them.
0: We see how much effort Jan has put into decorating the place and really just sort of taking over the place with her own uh, furniture and decorations. We see the the plastered portrait of her face on the stairwell, which is the most awkward thing. yeah and <laughs> she's uh, complaining about the carpet and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, Michael has quote splurged and bought a plasma TV. That is probably no bigger than, like, 20 inches diagonally. It is so small. It's mounted to the wall. He says, sometimes I'll just stand here and watch television for hours. I love this TV. I love this TV. He's so excited that he has a TV to watch. It's 20 inches. If he sat in a chair in that living room, he would not be able to see what is on the TV. It is so small. But he's so proud of it.
1: It's his one thing.
0: It is. That's that's what I was about to say. It's, it's like the one thing he can be proud of because it's the one thing that's his aside from the dundies that are sitting in the corner under Jan's stuff.
1: Yeah. I had a note on that too. There's this um, sort of like a bookshelf for like a tall table or something. And it's really clever camera work because they panned the dundies and then kind of up at the, uh, up at the candles. So as it's panning back to the characters, it kind of shows, look, Jan's on top here. Michael's at the bottom, um, even in the decoration of the house. And Michael's only other things that we see at this point of the episode are all in the garage. He has his, um, I mean, fairly ugly, I'll give give—I'll give Jan that, but fairly obnoxious. But it's his one thing, um, his beer neon sign, right? So that's in the garage. He has these chair hand things in the garage. Everything's just kind of been thrown in the garage as, okay, well, we didn't throw out your stuff. We still have your stuff, but it doesn't live in the house.
0: Right. And aside from the, the decoration abuse, um, well, Michael has built this small table. And so that's his other small little thing. If you can call it a table, it it resembles a table slightly in that it's got four legs and is flat on top, (laughs) but it's pretty pathetic. And Jim tries to make Michael feel better about it. Uh, and about the TV by saying, well, well, I'm just terrible with this kind of thing. So kudos for you for being able to, you know, do something even remotely craftsmanlike. And then uh, Jan sort of makes a face like, really? I, I don't believe that. But Jim's just trying to make Michael feel better. And Jim says, well, if you ever need help with this kind of stuff, then I'm just a phone call away. And Jan, being the jealous uh, person that she is, says, oh, I bet you are, and just sort of stares daggers at Pam.
1: I think Jan has this really weird dichotomy between hating Michael so much and being really, really jealous over him. She doesn't want Michael, but she doesn't want anyone else to want him either. And she has this idea that Pam and Michael had some kind of history.
0: I I wonder what history she has, or she she thinks that uh, Pam and Michael have. She says to Pam that Michael's told her about them dating previously. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if Michael would make up something about him and Pam having any sort of thing. I think it's purely that moment in Fun Run, the uh, opening episode of season four, where Pam accidentally sees Michael's penis. And she just blows, she as in uh, Jan, just blows that out of proportion and takes it and crafts it into this fantasy so she can be jealous of Michael in some circumstance, you know? I I just don't see Michael as the kind of person who would make up this relationship with Pam. Uh, I don't know. I just don't see him as that kind of guy.
1: Right. I think the most he would do is maybe indicate that he wanted to be in a relationship with Pam because... I mean, obviously, Pam is this attractive, down-to-earth girl that Michael will never get, um, and I think he, he maybe would have hinted something about being very attracted to Pam, but I don't think, I agree, I don't think he would ever say anything to indicate that he had dated Pam.
0: Well, after all of this, and the tour, and Andy and Angela show up, um, Jan reveals that she hasn't even begun cooking the meal. It needs three hours to braise, and so they're not going to be eating until super late. Uh, Pam asked, what, three hours from now or three hours from earlier, like uh, four o'clock? Jan responds, you know, in Spain, they often don't start eating until midnight. Well, they're not in Spain, Jan, are they? (laughs) You know? Um, And most normal people are in bed around midnight-ish. I say normal people because you and I are known to not be in bed by midnight, yeah. but, uh, but normal people are. They're not eating in America most of the time at midnight. And Michael does amusingly follow up with, when in Rome, <laughs> <laughs> because he doesn't know what that means. But it, Jan just making, she's so confrontational with Pam, and she makes that statement, which makes no sense, because why does it matter what the people in Spain do? Because they're not in Spain. And it's not like a Spanish-themed dinner party either.
1: Oh, and also, once again, Jan doesn't have a job. She could have started braising the meal at 4 o'clock. <laughs> it's your home.
0: That would make a little too much sense.
1: It would. You know, that would involve planning and rational thinking. But here we are at dinner <laughs> party. so <laughs> Skipping ahead a little bit, just to keep up this um, thread of Jan and Pam, um, They take a, quote, girl's trip to the kitchen. Uh, She drags Angela along and just kind of further goats. Um, Pam, at that point, too, says, yeah, Michael. That's that's when she says, yeah, Michael told me um, a bit about your history. And Pam just says, I have never wanted to or ever resembled dating Michael ever. I would never consider that. (laughs) She just kind of (laughs) spews just negativity at the thought of dating Michael, and uh, Jan just does not believe her.
0: And I think Jan sort of takes that as a little bit of an insult, too. The way mm-hmm. Pam is so fervently denies any involvement with Michael or any want for involvement with Michael, uh, I think it just sort of further cements Jan's feeling. You know, she says at one point when uh, Dwight and Angela, or Dwight, nope, Dwight and the babysitter show up, she walks off saying, I hate my life. And I think that's just sort of further cementing the the self-loathing that she's mentioned in previous episodes before as well. Um, yeah, who would date Michael at this point? Nobody seems to really want to, uh, especially Pam and seemingly Jan, even though she's leeching, leeching off of him. Then there's the whole Hunter situation, huh. <laughs> uh, who was her assistant when she worked at Dunder Mifflin uh this young man uh attractive i suppose and she has this weird obsession with his music he's in a band apparently and so there's a moment where she puts on music and it is the most uncomfortable thing as this music turns up and jan just starts like grooving and swaying uh, i don't know what it is it's some weird sort of like sensual dancing she tries to get jim involved and it is the most awkward thing and Darn that song because it is so catchy <laughs> and it gets stuck in my head at the most inopportune times. But it's just, uh, we can make some insinuations off of her obsession with the music and the lyrics of the song. You took me by the hand. You made me a man. That one night you made everything all right. So let's see, what do we think happened between Jan <laughs> and Hunter? And I, I think Michael knows that or knows some sort of hint of that because he's clearly upset by the fact that she's listening to this music too. And he says later, you know, I don't think Hunter is that talented. So there's just another layer of this strained relationship between Jan and Michael.
1: And even if nothing happened between Jan and Hunter, she's clearly attracted to him at the very least. Right. Um, And it's just awkward. I mean, she's up there like dancing really <laughs> almost aggressively to this music and everyone else <laughs> is just watching her. No one's dancing. She's just having this little moment over there by the stereo. It's just, she's having a little breakdown is what it is.
0: Yeah. Typically if you're going to put on music at a party, it's going to be maybe something without lyrics or if it does have lyrics, you're going to put it way down in volume so it can be in the background. So you can actually, actually have like conversation. That's the point of having company over so you can talk with people and uh, meet with people and converse with people. And it it just, it's it's such a strange moment. Uh, And like I said, she does try and get Jim involved. She grabs his hand and tries to pull him up and he just stays firmly planted in that seat. And she just sort of twirls herself under his arm. And (laughs) Pam's having a fun time with it, just sort of staring at Jim and watching him react. But... Man, it's awkward. It's that that's like the the operative phrase of this episode. Yeah. Man, that's awkward.
1: Honestly. <laughs>
0: and you know that's a that's a an operative phrase for the show, but it is just cranked up to 11 in this episode.
1: This episode at first, I I think the first time I watched it, I said, "Yeah, like that's a really good, really awkward episode." But every time I watch it, it just sinks in a little bit more. Like, this is so uncomfortable. Um <laughs> this it's probably, to me, the second most awkward episode of The Office. Um, I think I know what the first one yes, is. Yes, you do. Uh, <laughs> and we're not even going to get there yet. That's going to be a painful episode. Um, but this is, this is up there.
0: It is. And so all of this culminates with the dinner itself, finally, presumably 9, 9.30, maybe even later at night. And both Jan and Michael just sort of crack and they've clearly had enough of each other. Uh, Michael starts dipping his steak in his wine and she says, stop doing that. That's disgusting. And he gets offended because, Hey, you know, I have soft teeth, whatever. I don't. Oh, okay. I- I'll I'll take Michael at his word. He has soft teeth. He needs to soften his steak a little bit. And so uh, after she makes fun of him for that, Then she goes and she grabs or Michael goes and grabs the beer lady neon sign that Jan mentioned earlier that she got rid of in favor of the Dundies Uh, because Michael only gets one thing. And so he got the Dundies and so he goes and he takes down this like modern artwork that's hanging in the kitchen or the dining area and he hangs up and plugs in this glaringly bright neon (laughs) beer lady sign and it just casts like this pale glow over everybody and it's it's so uncomfortable and then Jan starts getting angry with him and they start fighting and Jan goes out to the living room and throws a dundee at Michael's TV and Michael just explodes at her because well they're both being unreasonable but I think Jan more than anything is the one picking fights.
1: Yeah, um and I think Michael also was getting really embarrassed because they have company over. Um and Jan is choosing this time, or at least this is what we see, she's choosing this party to really just pick away at Michael's ego and at his confidence. And she's just making him feel like absolute crap. And he just can't handle it. I mean, I'm not i not sure I could either. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And then, just to make matters worse, she throws his dundee at his TV. It's the two things that Michael has, and she breaks both of them.
0: Yeah, and I mean, earlier she told that story of the ice cream truck and Michael running through the screen door, uh, with, or it wasn't a screen door, the glass door, uh, which is funny, but Michael clearly doesn't want the story to be told because it is embarrassing, it does make him look a little bit stupid, and she clearly isn't telling it as a cute story as she describes it, uh, but clearly to make fun of him, and she's laughing at him, not with him, right? very much at him, and yeah Michael, I think just has had enough, and he he after she's thrown the the Dundee at the t v, he says, Good luck paying me back on your zero dollars a year plus benefit salary babe, which by the way, <laughs> they say babe, a whole lot in this episode. I, I don't know if it's just like the some most sort of
1: passive aggressive babe in the world
0: it's passive aggressive, and I think it's a way to fake affection,
1: yes, absolutely
0: because it's a pet nickname, but because of that, I don't know if I could ever call a loved one babe in any serious manner Uh, because of this episode. It has ruined that (laughs) pet nickname forever for me. It's got to be something else, yeah. Um, Yeah, so Michael tells her off, and she runs off crying, and that's the, the end of the dinner party because everybody is pretty quick to leave after that.
1: The cops are called because of a noise disturbance because they are screaming at each other. Um, Dwight, of course, knows the knows the police, and they say, not now, Dwight. And um, they ask if Michael has anywhere. He can stay tonight. Uh, so he does not stay at home, and we actually see Jan um, gluing or trying to glue Michael's dundee back together, which is the only time, I think, in this episode that I have any positive feelings towards Jan, because she's trying a little, I guess. Um, I think she feels badly for what happened, but that is absolutely no excuse, and, oh my gosh, uh, absolutely ridiculous behavior.
0: Yeah, when the cops show up, uh, Michael is given the option to press charges on Jan for smashing his TV, and at first he says, would she get in trouble? And they said, yes. And he says, I- I'll take the fall for it. I did it. And they said, well, you don't have to press charges. And so he ends up going home with somebody, uh, with Dwight, because Dwight's the one that offers. And despite Jim earlier saying that his apartment was flooded, uh, we can talk about that in a second. He says his apartment's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Jim and Pam definitely don't want to take Michael home. Dwight offers and he does. And Jan comes out and says, what's happening? D- don't hurt him. Is everything okay? She she seems to be really apologetic. Um, and she offers one last babe as Michael is leaving with Dwight. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very stark contrast between Jan just a few minutes prior and Jan at the end of the episode when she does appear to be a little bit apologetic. And I, we have alluded to potential mental problems with Jan in the past. And I think that this, more than anything so far, really shows that there might be some level of bipolar disorder, honestly, um, with the extremities of her mood swings in uh, just those last few minutes.
1: There is something unstable about her for sure. Um, And just such volatile changes too. Yeah. So that's dinner party uh, for Jan and Michael. And there's a few few nuggets that came up, for instance, um, in their screaming match. Michael mentions that Jan always gets her way. So I I do like that he brought this up to her, not necessarily in the presence of company. But he says, when we uh, went to New York and you wanted to see Wicked and I wanted to see Stomp, what did we see? Jan says, we saw Wicked. Okay, you have that one. He says, when um, you definitely didn't want to have kids. And I definitely did. What did I do? I got a vasectomy. When you changed your mind, I got a reverse vasectomy. And then you changed your mind again. Snip snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. <laughs> Which is horrifying. Um,
0: it is horrifying with the way he says that. <laughs> it's so Snip snap, snip, snap, then You have no tolls. The emotional distir- distress. The three, that three vasectom- vasectomies have on a person. <laughs> <laughs> Which,
1: like, yikes, but that's such a ridiculously um. What I assume should be a permanent procedure, just to make your girlfriend, who you've already broken up with once, happy. It's just so. <sighs> it's it's it makes me feel so bad for Michael. Um, there were a few other things. Jim saying that Michael and Jan seem to be playing their own game because they're they're playing uh charades, I guess, or or yeah, mm-hmm. charades, I guess. Uh, and Michael and Jan seem to be playing their own game called "Let's see how uncomfortable we can make our guests," and they're both winning. Um, <laughs> I would disagree. I say Jan is probably winning, but yeah, uh, but they are both they're both playing for sure.
0: Yeah, it's Jan who makes the what what Michael says more uncomfortable.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Because M-
0: Michael's just being Michael most of the time. He does that whole like rhythmic. Uh, I don't remember exactly what he says, but it's just, I'm...
1: My turn. Yeah, my turn. That's
0: right. Yeah, he's just rhythmically saying, my turn. And it is a little irritating, but it's Michael. We've we've seen that. We're used to it. They're used to it because they see him in the office every day. But Jan just turns it into an awkward situation because she says, it's not funny. And it turns into this long, drawn-out thing where Michael is trying to prove, yeah, Jim was laughing. I saw his face. And Jan said, no, he's not laughing. Look at him. And... (laughs) Yeah. Anytime that Michael makes him uncomfortable, it's mostly because of how Jan reacts to what Michael does. So not much blame, I think, can be pressed on him this time. Um, Mike or Jim is so uh desperate to leave that he comes up with this fake flooded apartment story and he tries to take Pam with him. But then Michael says, well, you don't both need to go to check out the damage. And Jim is so desperate that he actually tries to leave without Pam. Uh. He, he, he says, you are right, Pam. I will see you later. Um, good night, everybody. Thanks for the good time. And uh, Pam does stop him. But I, I, I wrote in my notes, I don't think this reveals anything about Jim's character necessarily. I, like, obviously, he's just so uncomfortable with this situation that he would do anything To get out of it himself, even if it means leaving Pam behind.
1: It would have been so simple though to be like, oh well, I'm her ride. I know that they probably would have offered, but he could have tried a little harder. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, he is he is desperate to get out. Um That might be all I have for the main bit of this episode.
0: Yeah, I think we've gone pretty exhaustively into detail. I, I suppose there's one more thing. Uh, Angela clearly doesn't want to be there, especially not with Andy, especially not in Michael's house, and especially when Dwight arrives. There's three levels of especially there (laughs) because it just seems to get worse. Uh, She's still very opposed to Dwight after the unfortunate demise of Sprinkles, and uh, she denies any part of their relationship that she liked. Uh, You know, Dwight and the babysitter show up, and Dwight brings his own food. Uh, as well as the wine glass and as well as the babysitter. And he has turkey leg and he has beet salad and he offers it to Angela. She says, I hate beet salad. And Dwight says, I know for a fact that you love beet salad. I've seen you eat it many, many times. And Angela says, nothing would... Uh, I would hate nothing more than to pop one of your beets into my mouth. Uh, something along those lines. And so... She's denying anything to do with Dwight, uh, especially after he shows up. So uh, we just see that that is still sort of cemented. And uh, as they're leaving, Andy and Angela go and get ice cream. And Andy tries to play cute with her, tries to uh, sneak a bite of her ice cream cone. And she doesn't like that very much. She doesn't like the cutesy stuff and smashes the ice cream cone on the outside of his car as they drive off. So uh, still not much in the way of their relationship happening so far, but it's clearly she's still preferring him to Dwight, at least at this moment.
1: There were a couple of funny moments. It was not an entirely dramatic episode, although it sort of was. Dwight, when he has his talking head about not being invited to the dinner party, um, he just breaks down and cries. <laughs> he, he tries to put on a tough face and say, you know, I wasn't bothered that I wasn't invited, but he just sobs uncontrollably.
0: Yeah, poor Dwight. Um, <laughs> Michael, when they first start drinking the wine, says, hmm, sort of an oaky afterbirth. No, <laughs> And that no. is disgusting, <laughs> but it is so funny. Um <laughs>
1: Michael goes in to hug Angela when she arrives, and Angela just says, no, no, nope. (laughs) She does not want a hug from Michael.
0: Michael tries to get Jim and Andy to invest in Serenity by Jan. For $10,000, you can be co-owners of the company. He says, did you know that candles are the fastest growing product in the scent aroma market? Well, I can't imagine there being (laughs) many other things in the scent aroma market, to be honest. Uh, It's pretty much exclusively candles.
1: Oh, it should also be noted that Jan asked Michael to um, pursue that uh, business relationship for the candles. So she kind of had right. that dinner party in order to um, to get some some money out of it, basically.
0: By the way, Jan shoving the candle under Jim's nose <sighs> and uh, him trying to identify this the scent, he says it, it, it's fire. And Jan says, "Yeah, bonfire. What the, the redundancy of having a bonfire scented candle is
1: ridiculous, uh, right? <laughs> it, it is
0: ridiculous. Like I, I understand there probably is a particular aroma to a bonfire, but that is the strangest scent from a candle. When you have a fireplace downstairs, why not just light the fire? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It, it's it's strange.
1: This was a little one, but I just noticed it for the first time this episode or this watch. Um, when they're all at the dinner table, Dwight." has a giant wine glass and it's filled almost entirely to the brim <laughs> with red wine um oh is
0: it really yeah. i hadn't noticed that either
1: which uh yeah is about the right amount of wine i think for <laughs>
0: well for to get episode. through this dinner party yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: a few of those and i might be able to tolerate it <laughs> uh,
0: during their dinner fight michael says you know i don't think hunter is very talented jan says at least he's an artist michael says bfd i'm a screenwriter <laughs> And then Jan shouts, shouts, well, I'm a candle maker, but you don't hear me bragging about it. <laughs> and it's both the irony of her yelling that you don't hear her bragging about it and the fact that she has an entire room in the condo filled to the brim with candles.
1: And this Too entire much. evening is about <laughs> candles. <laughs> like, it's just.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
1: Um, At the very end, when Jim and Pam are driving home, Jim reveals that he got Pam a present. He stole Hunter's CD <laughs> and they pop it in the stereo and uh sing along to that song.
0: Also, another Jim moment earlier in the episode when they're all playing charades. Uh, Michael, <laughs> it, it, it's Jim. I don't know, I at some points I think he tries to make Michael feel better about himself, but here he's clearly just messing with him. Uh, Michael's trying to describe Tom Cruise and is being pretty obvious with it because he's breaking rules, and Jan is quick to point out that he's breaking rules. And Jim says, Katie Holmes, because they were together at the time. And then he says, oh, Dawson's Creek. And Michael says, it has to be a real person, Jim. So he moves on and he starts describing Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, and Jim then guesses, oh, Tom Cruise. <laughs> so <laughs> no! it's, it's just a fu- funny messing with him.
1: Um, and of course, we mentioned Babe already, but it's worth mentioning again, just the um babe if you could not like, they're just so so aggressive with it um and it's sad but it also makes me laugh every time
0: yeah i think they say it around 13 times I, I i'm looking on the office quotes page right now i tried to keep up while watching but while trying to keep notes and uh just watching the episode they they say babe a lot and it's hard to keep track yeah. so It looks like about 13 times, and then Jim and Pam say it three times to make fun of them in the car, and then it's said a couple more times in the deleted scenes. So, yeah, lots of babe. (laughs) Um, Jim asks, you you alluded to this earlier, but Jim asks Dwight's babysitter slash carnal lover for her email address so he can ask her questions about Dwight's childhood. She says, email? So she doesn't know what email is. And jim says never mind (laughs) that's it
1: that might be it for me if you have any others
0: uh just one or two more um when dwight is offering michael a place to stay that night he says you're sleeping with me i'm gonna take you home michael (laughs) it's just bad phrasing bad choice of words and then on their way home with michael uh they stop at a stop sign or a light or something and the babysitter is there on the curb waiting for the bus, and she just waves, and instead of offering her a ride or acknowledging her, he just ignores her and pulls off.
1: Not a whole lot of friendliness even there at all, but apparently they are carnal, and that's all we need to know, as Dwight says. That's
0: all we need to know. I, she I, was just yeah. a means to an end.
1: That is all I need to know, frankly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's all I want to know, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Uh, And then lastly for me, Angela reveals just how little she knows about pop culture or politics, I think. Because when Michael is describing Arnold Schwarzenegger, he says he's the governor of California. He's the Terminator. Both of those are very obvious clues. And she says those aren't helpful. So I just have to ask, what hole in the ground does she live in? Because like those are pretty big things back in 2008. There was the the Governator and the Terminator, and it was the same guy. Uh, So I don't know. but. Anyways, that's all I have.
1: Oh, I should mention, it's not really a funny moment, but Pam gets total cool girlfriend points. Um, Michael was trying to get Pam to guess um, Joe Montana, and he he hints at Joe Camel. Oh, sorry. Was it Michael? It was Andy. Andy. Thank you. Um, and he uh-huh. says the state where... Oh, gosh. What's the capital of Montana? Um, Helena. Ma- uh, I don't, honestly, I don't <laughs> oh, even <no>. know. <laughs> anyway, it, um, yeah, Helena. Helena. You're right. There You're we go. Right. Um, and so you know, they kind of pair the words together, and she says, Jim Montana," and he goes, "Yes." She goes, "Well, you could have just said Forty ers quarterback." <laughs> she gets <laughs> <laughs> some some curl, some cool girl points for that. So,
0: <laughs> going into deleted scenes. This this really made me laugh. (laughs) Um, Toby had tickets apparently to see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers that night, uh, but gave them to his ex wife and her husband because they had a a, uh, overtime assignment from corporate. And then Michael faked it and revealed that it was it was done and that they weren't going to have to stay. And so Toby confronts him and says, "You really can't change the schedule like that. I I had tickets to see Tom Petty and." Uh, Michael interrupts and says, well, it seems like the heartbreakers are going to be heartbroken. Uh, <laughs> he, he laments that nobody heard that. Very funny joke, Michael. Very, very well very put. Very awesome. Uh, <laughs> but that made me laugh so hard that, of course, of course, Toby had to hand over Tom Petty tickets because of a fake work assignment that Michael told him about.
1: Uh, Michael has a talking head where he lists his dream dinner guests. He says, Jim, Pam, Ryan, the mayor, Barack Obama, Shiloh, Jolie, Pitt, his reasoning, because <laughs> at the end of the night, Brad and or Angelina would have to pick him up and I would get to meet them.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, would, I, I don't know why he couldn't just invite, invite yeah. Brad and Angel- <laughs> I mean, uh, He's got Obama right. on the list. <laughs>
1: um, All the children of the world. Val Kilmer, but he probably couldn't come because he's too famous.
0: Obviously, yes. Um,
1: yeah, he says obviously George Clooney and um, Jan definitely if there was room.
0: <laughs> yeah, th- there was also Shia LaBeouf. Sh- Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf, that's right. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf <laughs> because of Disturbia,
1: right? Yes.
0: Um, which okay, that was an okay movie, I suppose, but uh, Shia not, I don't think what people remember Shia LaBeouf for. <laughs> And Dwight has a similar talking head where he describes his ideal dinner party, and he includes five murderers, John Wilkes Booth, who killed Lincoln, Lee Harvey Oswald, who killed JFK, Osama bin Laden, we you know, uh, John Wayne Gacy, who was just a uh, disturbed serial killer, as well as Jeffrey Dahmer, who was also a serial killer. And he says he would train an assassin to take them all out. But the point I wanted to make is that at the time of this episode, all of these men were caught and dead at this point right <laughs> in time like the, and had been dead for a long time Osama bin Laden was the only one still alive he was missing but there would be no reward to collect really if Dwight had i, I don't know it was just it's a weird his thought process here i guess we could assume that he would have li- had liked to have these men over before they were caught but maybe then they would have killed him i, I don't know it, it's just a, a strange thing for for dwight to to imagine to fantasize about
1: at the dinner party pam uh is starving because dinner is taking forever and she sneaks into the hallway and starts eating like a granola bar or some kind of snack um she starts sharing that with jim and jan appears and is just pissed <laughs> that that she's eating
0: <laughs> um
1: jim kind of throws pam out of the bus and says oh i didn't have any that's that was all Pam." Um, <laughs> and after she leaves, Jim says she scares me, but Pam keeps eating the bar because again she's starving.
0: Yeah, and part of the reason they were starving is because uh, Janet had prepared prepared hors d'oeuvres. Uh, they were, uh, what did she say, uh, a bouche or something like yeah. that? Yeah, and. Michael comes out of the bathroom and Jen says, did you wash your hands? And he said, of course, I wash my hands just for you, princess. And then he sort of comments to the side, I didn't really wash my hands. And then he proceeds with his unwashed hands after the bathroom to touch every single one of the appetizers on the plate and then offering them to his guest. And the only one who takes up him up on it is Andy because gross, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but it's just like, Michael, wash your hands, please, please
1: we get a uh, story from Jan in the kitchen beginning um, with a childhood friend who became Miss West Virginia and basically ended up Jan just bragging about how beautiful she was or is. Um, and she gets so backtracked on just telling the story of how gorgeous she is and th- th- that she forgets the question that Pam asked. She said, what was your question? Pam says, where did you grow up? (laughs) Jan just completely um, went on her own little tangent about herself.
0: And she was apparently kicked off the neighborhood watch because she fell asleep and a dog got spray painted with a a bad word by some kids. But then later, she says during dinner that it was actually her that painted the dog. So I don't know whether to believe her. I am inclined to believe her. but. It just shows further uh, mental deterioration, I suppose, is a way to phrase it, uh, because it, what a kind of a sick thing to do, you know?
1: Honestly, yeah. Um, I tend to believe her because she, um, l- later on in the episode where this scene would have been placed, uh, when the police arrive, Jan rushes outside and the neighbors who own that dog are out there and the dog <laughs> has its side blurred out because the word is still there um and she kind of insults the the dog and says something about it being an ugly mutt um which it's not by the way it was a weimaraner and i was i had weimaraners growing up and i feel bad for it um <laughs> but anyway um she like kind of insults the dog and the owners and i tend to believe that she did do it um because she goes and says i held it down with my knee and i spray painted it until i was good and done and it bit me and Ugh. i didn't even feel it and it was just ah uh, yeah,
0: she's the worst. <laughs> she's the worst. <laughs> um, one of my favorite deleted scenes from the show, like ever, to the point that I at one point forgot it was a deleted scene and thought it was actually in the episode is when Dwight approaches Angela at the the entryway of the condo. He says. I noticed you're wearing open-toed shoes. Since when did you become a whore? (laughs) I I described that scene to a friend once, and she didn't know what I was talking about. And so that's how I realized, oh, that's a deleted scene. So I don't know how I became acquainted with this scene. It might have been through like a a meme shared on an office fan page or something. But I think that is so funny. (laughs) Since when did you become a whore?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I had never seen that one. And uh, it's pretty great. (laughs) also speaking of angela andy and angela on their way home um angela has this moment with andy she says you have to understand i hated you so profoundly for so long that it's difficult for me to find you tolerable which i do (laughs) and andy gives her a big hug uh he's just so thankful that she tolerates him um that's
0: true love right there that's
1: love um (laughs) signs feel delivered yeah
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, because obviously Michael and Jan don't tolerate each other. So, I mean, it's a step up from that.
1: (laughs) They probably have a better relationship, yeah.
0: (laughs) Quick discussion topic on this one. We we had some struggles coming up with one just because it's such a a weighty episode and it's so uncomfortable. But I just thought I would ask, do we feel sorry for Jan and why or why not?
1: I'm going to have to say a hard no. (laughs) Um, I really don't. I mean, the only thing I could possibly feel sorry for her on is that she is mentally unstable. So in that case, like, yeah, um, that is awful and I hope she gets the help she needs. You know, it's a fictional character, obviously, but she obviously needs help. Um, but she's not treating her serious boyfriend the way that a human- even your worst enemy deserves to be treated. Uh, and so if for that reason, no. I mean, take care of yourself and get the help you, you need because she's being awful. What about I you?
0: agree with you on both. Yeah, I, I agree with you on both points. I would have said the same thing regarding her mental health. That's the only thing that sort of gives me pause. Uh, but... Clearly, she is the abusive one in the relationship. And when Michael talks about the vasectomies, he just wanted kids. She said no. Then she changes her mind. Maybe I want kids. And so he has a reverse. And then back because she says definitely no. And then she, uh, yelling at Michael, just says, fine, let's just have an effing kid. And Michael pauses for a moment and says, are are you serious? Do you mean that? (sighs) So it's like a a moment where he thinks maybe she's being genuine. And that's when she walks off and says, I hate my life. But. I don't know. She's just so emotionally abusive, mental health problems or not. I understand that to a certain extent, if you do have mental health problems, that isn't your fault, but uh, she just treats Michael so poorly and he is nothing but kind to her. Uh, Yes. He retaliates when it is warranted in this episode, but he is not the one instigating any of it. So I, I, I find it difficult to have any sort of, uh, apologetic feeling towards her because really she doesn't seem to deserve it so
1: yeah but with that being said if any of you listening have a discussion topic that'd be a lot of fun i think um send us an email send us uh, something on twitter facebook whatever it is um we will either answer it directly or maybe in the next episode um Yeah, reach out. If you have anything, any questions you want us to answer or like a game to play even with this episode, let us know.
0: And with that, that's the end of the official 35th episode of An American Workplace. Contact us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash WorkplacePod and at WorkplacePod on Twitter. Please consider going over to iTunes and giving us a rating and review. It's a big help with visibility and the charts. And also, if you have additional feedback or ideas for the show, email us workplacepod at gmail.com.
1: You can find me at ktlady623 on Twitter or at facebook.com slash katie.white.
0: And the best place for me is also on Twitter at chadadada, that is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A, and also facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. There's my other podcast, Cinescope, where we talk about the movies we love and why we love them. You can find that where podcasts can be found and at the website, thecinescopepodcast.com. And all the show notes and all that contact information I just listed can also be found at workplacepodcast.com. And that's all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 35 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 36 for our discussion on the next two episodes of season four, Chair Model and Night Out. Goodbye. (laughs)